that and the skill sets sort of sort of cross between all three buckets like there are skills you can learn to develop better mindsets there are skills you can learn to do better as a leader Welcome back to Shop Talk Podcast, brought to you by One Two Four Go. I'm your co-host, Crystal Romain, as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mister John Calvary. For the sec, we've been doing these on Zoom lately, yeah. obviously, and um, and it's because we're all over the place, and uh, we know we're probably in your earbuds right now. So if you hear a difference in sound quality, um, we're doing this on Zoom again, and for great reason. We have an amazing amazing uh guest today and john already knows this he won't expect it nothing's no, there's nothing coming your way there's no compliment for this nope there's a great guest on the other end i had nothing to do with it but you are not getting another compliment i'm done with it it's over <laughs> it's over at this point it's just become an expectation <laughs> i get it and we have an amazing uh, guest today, as we were just talking about. Johanna Lyman sits on the other end of our Zoom, and she's joining us today from the Bay Area. If, if you don't know what that means, you're obviously not from California. And, uh, and you're sitting amongst some crazy weather over there. Or should, can we even call it weather? Uh, well, it started with weather. It started with uh, a pretty intense series of dry thunderstorms uh august 16th and 17th mm-hmm. and they sparked uh, there were thousands something like 2500 lightning strikes on the golden gate bridge in that time frame and wow. they sparked hundreds of fires that have coalesced into three main complexes they're calling them they're not even naming them anymore mm-hmm. um so essentially i'm safe my home is safe but I'm surrounded on all sides by fire and bad smoke, bad air quality. It's been pretty intense. And whoever said 2020, give me all you got. I just, yeah. I just want to wring your neck right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, you know, it's made, it's certainly made our podcast conversations interesting and meaningful because it's, it's one thing as we walked out of 2019 last year, I, I'd say, Almost everybody that you would talk to was kind of on a win streak. Things, things were good. They were easy. Our conversations were light and airy. And pretty quick, we got into some seriously deep conversations. And in all honesty, we're kind of grateful for the direction it pulled us because we started to look not only inside of our industry, but outside of our industry. And with 90% of the people that are listening to this right now being women, we really were able to bring in some powerful female leaders in in different areas and have some really deep, meaningful conversations. And I know that this one, I'm I'm, I'm giddy about it because your really main focus is in empowerment of women in the areas of leadership and culture development and navigating professional growth. And so your company name is Kadabra and you're a leadership and culture consultancy. And you have a great tagline, which I absolutely love, which is expand what's possible. Your focus isn't all that different than the salon world, in my opinion, just because I know you work with a lot of small to mid-sized companies, which I'm sure have the dynamics of, you know, somebody gets good at something, 
and they open a business. Yes, right? exactly. Only exactly. to find out that the biz, running the business is different than being good at that thing. And so what I found to be really interesting is you've been doing this for 16 and a half years. And I don't even know that coaching or consulting was cool yet when you got into that, you know, now it's so, it seems like everybody's a consultant and you got into the deal. So, you know, I know there's a million different ways we can take this conversation. John, I know you probably have a deep understanding of where you want to go with it. Why don't you take us out? You know, I think one of the things we always start our podcast with is we ask people how they got into the hair industry and, you know, Johanna's not in our industry per se, but I still want to know, you know, what brought this impetus 16 and a half years ago, right? You went down this road of being a coach consultant, you know, decided that that was going to be a career path for you. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, because the the last time we were in proximity to each other, John, I was still in corporate America. Yeah. And um, wow. yeah, so, you know, I think, well, I want to preface it with if anybody had told me what it really meant mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur, I would have said, eh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> so I'm very glad that nobody warned nobody me. Nobody gave you that. Was able to give you the pain up front. Yeah, right? exactly. So, but I knew when I was a little, little girl, like nine years old that I wanted to be, I didn't even know what the word for it was, but I wanted to be going to Paris and Milan and watching runway shows and picking out the clothes that everybody else wore. Mm-hmm. And come to find out there's a word, there's a name for that, there's a career for that. I was a, bu- a buyer for a major department store for 10 years. Um, and I left that company because I was asked to do something that uh, was illegal and very much outside of my ethics zone. So I ended up hopping over onto the wholesale side of things. I was a divisional vice president of sales for a Fortune 500 company. Um, And same thing happened. I was asked to do something. This time it wasn't illegal, but it was very much outside of my own ethics, my own personal and professional boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I left the whole retail wholesale industry and I became a financial planner and eventually became a certified financial planner. And I thought, you know, the folks who are managing other people's money, they should have have money. (laughs) They have to have integrity, right? Right. Like Uh. they have to do things better than they do here in the retail industry. Not so much come Mm. to find out. They were very, very, interested in how much money they could make personally. And if that wasn't in their client's best interest, they didn't really care so much. And so I finally, I left there saying, I was really disillusioned saying like, wow, like are my standards really that high that I'm unemployable in corporate America? And so I became a coach and and you're right, Chris, it was early, it was, uh, I became a coach in 2005 officially. And the industry was, I think, less than 10 years old yeah. at the time. So yeah, uh, and the, the rest, as they say, is, is history. It's another story, but I won't, <laughs> I won't belabor the point. So that's it's, how I, that's how I started as an entrepreneur. You I, know, I, we, we were, we were talking about this briefly before we, we actually started the conversation. And it's, it's a very interesting thing that happened where you got asked to do something. And, you know, I'd kind of, spilled my sort of thought process around my disappointment 
watching a lot of business leaders that say that they have these values um, and yet their behaviors uh, very rarely show it, you know, from the, from the back room to the front room, right? So, you know, I, and, and I've watched so many people that um, I just thought like, wow, I just saw them say something in, in, in the other room and then they walked into a meeting and, and told a story that didn't even line up. And what you kind of reaffirmed, and I thought maybe I just had some bad experiences, and what you kind of reaffirmed in my mind is like, you saw the same thing. And it's, it's wh what is it about people's values that like, what is it about the corporate ladder or pressure or maybe just professional life in general that make people cave so easily on what's right and wrong? Mm. Oh, Chris, I love that question. And what immediately comes to mind is that historically i think it's starting to change now but people have been strongly discouraged against bringing their whole self to work so they're they're encouraged to show up a certain way as a certain persona in the corporate world and that they, they are divorced from who they really are as a human being and what their values are and what their ethics are. Um, and it's, it's deeply damaging to, to humanity, to us as individuals. It's also really deeply damaging to the, the whole like system of capitalism. Like it, it works, you know, for, for a few people, but it could work so much better if it were done the way I think the world should run. <laughs> you know? In fact, my mission is to change the way we do capitalism. Hmm, that's awesome. When you, know, when, when you get people in those environments, do you think it's the environment that creates change for people, meaning the pressure of the environment makes you kind of fall down on your core values and your beliefs? Or do we fall down on our core values and beliefs because we're trying to fit in? Like, from the which ladder. end is the ladder? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, it, it's my experience anyways. It was both. I definitely had pressure to fit in. I mm -hmm. had pressure to do things a certain way. Right. Um, you know, as a, as a woman in the late 80s, early 90s mm -hmm. in corporate America, I was told that I was too emotional. Sure. Um, you know, which happens to be one of my greatest gifts. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but also I think the the pressure to fit in at not just in, in corporate, but in life yeah. is so profound that, you know, in fact, I've read some studies about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, and mm -hmm. they say that yeah. like physical safety is the first layer, right. but there's some new research that has come out that shows that actually belonging is at the very base of it because mm -hmm. if you think about back in the caveman days sure. that if we were kicked out of our tribe mm -hmm. you would that die. was a certain death because i don't have the experience not being a man right that's the only experience i have um talk to me a little Wait a bit minute. That's I, what about that halloween party hold on a minute listen no you that was said, my husband yeah <laughs> all right all right <laughs> um but I think that, you know, I, I think a lot of corporate leaders are male. So yeah. let's talk about that. What is that intrinsic difference that when a, a, a woman comes to the corporate environment, 
So it's either set up against them or isn't necessarily set up to, for them to succeed. Yeah, it's not, I mean, there is, a, I think there are more CEOs named John in the Fortune 500 companies than there are women CEOs. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It's pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the whole system, and, I, and I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with, mm-hmm. it's not your fault as a man. Mm-hmm. I love men. Mm-hmm. You're very, very valuable in our society. Heck, you married one. I married one. <laughs> I very much love one. You know? <laughs> Some of my best friends are men. <laughs> you know, and the reality in the United States, at least, is that we live in an extremely patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. It was set up for and by men, and specifically white men, mm-hmm. for their benefit at a time when women and people of color were considered property, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah. so when you look at that as the, the kind of deeper history, mm-hmm. it, of course, there are not as many women leaders. Now, happy to say, times they are a changing, mm-hmm. and it's not just because of COVID, but what we're finding is that, um, the so-called soft skills, which we call essential skills, Mm -hmm. things like the ability to communicate, uh, empathy, Mm -hmm. having emotional intelligence, uh, the the ability to manage healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. Like those are, they're all learnable skills, but they're not anything you're gonna learn in your MBA program. Mm -hmm. And those are being shown more and more to be more, better indicators of leadership success than the the hard skills. And you just said that, you know, one of the things that's amazing right now is that women are coming to the marketplace, women are coming to corporate America and they're bringing these soft skills, these essential skills that you just talked about, things like empathy, things like emotional intelligence. And I know we hear those words a lot. I think they they kind of get banded around a lot right (laughs) now, right? Um, But why are those important in in the corporate environment? You know, I think in the, in the scheme of things, mm-hmm. it feels like it's taken us a long time to get here. But really, since, you know, the Industrial Revolution was not that long ago, I mean, to a human lifespan it was, but historically not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the reality is that the way business was working was not working. And it was literally killing people. I mean, men are significantly more likely to die of a heart attack on Monday mornings. And men, generally speaking, men don't live as long as women. So mm-hmm. what's up with that? You know? Okay. you know, one of the things that I think, you know, so we're bringing this emotional intelligence to the workplace and we're bringing this empathy into the workplace. What are some ways to kind of navigate this? Because here's an example. I was talking to one of my managers a little while ago. And I said, how are you doing? She's like, I'm doing okay. And I could tell from her voice that she wasn't. And I was like, Anybody who says that right now is lying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 really tell me how you're doing. And she goes, well, to be honest, I get in the car and I cry every night on the way home. And I was like, why do you do that? And um, she said, well, the reason I do that is because I talk to my clients. They're going through stuff, right? I talk to my staff. They're going through stuff. And I take all this stuff in. So then I go home and the only way I can release it is you know, a cry. Yeah. Right. And I'm, she's not the only one. 
right? Not even close yeah. to the only one. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, this is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I want to uh, make a distinction between sympathy and empathy. Mm -hmm. So sympathy is when you hear a sad story and you say, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. Like tears might come to your eyes. Mm -hmm. And then you, you kind of take that in really personally. Empathy is the ability to relate to what someone is experiencing mm -hmm. without necessarily taking it on. But it's like, oh, I, I can, I can understand, even if you haven't had the experience, John, mm -hmm. you mentioned like you've not lived in a female body in this lifetime. Right. Like, like I've never had that experience, but I can imagine what it feels like to be disrespected at work. Sure. Yeah. You know, so when it comes specifically to, and I, I think, you know, hairdressers are, hairdressers and bartenders are like mm -hmm. the unsung heroes of the psychiatric world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say all the time, we should get a, uh, a, 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 like a non-formal degree in psychology. It's like, Absolutely. I've seen just as many patients as you, doctor, I promise. <laughs> yep, Absolutely. And, and in many cases, done a better job just by listening <laughs> right. and saying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. oh yeah, like that's empathy, right? Mm -hmm. But where empathy uh, fills us up too much mm -hmm. to overflowing mm -hmm. is when we're not great with boundaries, which mm -hmm. is another thing. And, and this is not solely a female thing. Mm -hmm. Although you do tend to see more women than men who have trouble with boundaries, again, mm -hmm. because of how we're socialized, women are socialized to care for others, mm -hmm. right? Sure. But when we have clear boundaries, we can have that empathy and not take it in as sympathy mm -hmm. and, and not, it doesn't mean that we feel less about it. It doesn't mean that we're not relating, mm -hmm. but we don't take it home. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we have good boundaries, we can develop resilience. Mm -hmm. And that resilience is the thing that allows us to get back in the car after the good cry right. and go home and take care of the family and then come in to work the next morning and do it all over again. To, to kind of bounce back almost. The bounce back. That's the resiliency yeah. is, is that ability to bounce back. Yeah. Why do... Why do we have such a hard time? And, and you know, and I, I'm looking up at the world I live in, right? There's a deep personal relationship between hairdressers and their customer, right? And vice versa. Um, and boundaries fall apart real quick, especially oh, yeah. when you're literally not only six inches away from somebody, but you got your hands in their head, right? right? <laughs> I mean, you don't get any closer than that. Uh, right. Um, and yet with that physical, um, that physical boundary gone away. There's also that emotional boundary that disappears too. And I think for many of our staff, that's, it's really hard for them. It's like they, they don't want to not be authentic. They don't want to not be right. friendly, but at the same time, I don't know how to maintain a boundary that allows me to have a safe personal space, emotional space between me and my guests because they'll think I don't like them. Right. So I have a, this, this, you know, I, I'm, used to sounding weird, but just preface mm -hmm. this might sound weird, but 
I have an easy hack that works really well if you we want to. We love those. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So that when you're clearing other people's energy, like mm -hmm. other people's energy gets attached to you like a magnet, especially if you're strongly empathetic as most hairdressers are, right? Mm -hmm. So, so you think about it, like you go in, you take your shower in the beginning of the day and you're all fresh and clean, mm -hmm. you go into work. And by the end of the day, you're, you're like covered in other people's energies, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. But every time you cut someone's hair, you wash their hair mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. And when you're done, you wash your hands. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of that washing, the water washing, as clearing away the other people's energy, ah. it's a great tactic. I use I it all the time. <laughs> I just usually go on the porch and yell and scream and try to scrape it off of me. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He does do that. And it's, yeah. Well, it's, that works too in a pinch. You know? I don't know if it works, but it's comical for everybody else inside watching out the window. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I will say, Johanna, just for like, for not being in the hair industry, I mean, you, you just described the life of a hairdresser as well as I would describe it or John would describe mm -hmm. it. Right. The, the where that that's the one of the most common conversations that has been had in our industry is the wearing of people's so we we get their physical hair on us yeah um, and one of you know uh besides wine i do know that a lot of uh hairstylists go home and use wine yes. uh, to try to clear their day which which i don't recommend so besides wine um the, the secondary thing that i hear is a shower they'll yeah. say you know i go the first thing i do is get these hairy clothes off and and get the day off of me and so yeah. i mean what a what an amazing um, sense that you have to be yeah. able to know that about this industry, you know, yeah. um, and not well, live with them on a day-to-day -day basis. That's amazing. Right. I mean, it thank you. It comes with being an intuitive empath, yeah. you know, yeah. and I've coached thousands of people over the last 16 plus years. And, and I, well, pre-COVID was getting my hair cut on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> now I've mastered the, well, not mastered, but I can, I can do a fair job with my own bangs. The rest of it's growing out. <laughs> well, I want to ask you a different question. And, um, and I may be bringing my own um, point of view to this, right? So I want to set that up um, right up front. One of the things that, you know, we work with is we work with a wide range of age groups, right? We got people that are literally 18, 19 years of age that are starting off their career. And we got people that are in their 50s that have been doing this for 30 years. Um, one of the things I think I see is that, you know, as I you know, am a hairdresser and I started my career, building personal rapport was relatively easy. And maybe because I was also, you know, spent a lot of time bartending or maybe because it's just I tend to be gregarious anyways. But I know not just me, but my contemporaries. If I talk to Chris or if I talk to anybody else who's in the in that age bracket, building personal rapport wasn't really that hard. Hey, how are you? What you doing? Welcome to the salon. I noticed that our our late teens, our 20-year-old, 24, 25-year-old hairdressers, building personal rapport is a lot more difficult. I mean, it's a real challenge. What am I missing? What do, what what are we what's the difference? I think it's not what's missing, it's what's been added. Oh, okay, great. And what's been added mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. technology. Yeah. Right. So mm -hmm. especially young, you know, young adults, mm -hmm. they've got these things like surgically attached to their hands. Right. right? And 
the, you know, we're in this really interesting place where our technology is outstripping our humanity. Hmm. And for many young adults, uh, there is a, a very real phenomenon that hmm. there is a, a tremendous rise in anxiety, mm-hmm. in depression, in neurodiversity. So mm-hmm. like what we call on the spectrum, like that they mm-hmm. process things differently. And, and I've got a 23 year old mm-hmm. who is, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so the way they grew up, they, even if they had present parents who limited the amount of screen time, mm-hmm. like they're just, it's the water they're swimming in, mm-hmm. right? And they connect very differently than we did. Right. They feel profoundly connected to their friends on TikTok mm-hmm. or Instagram, people that they've maybe never met before, but they have very deep and meaningful relationships with as, as much as you can at that age. Sure. Um, and And so the like the in-person, the kind of the salon or the tea right. room or the coffee shop even mm-hmm. has changed. You know, it used to be you'd go in and get a cup of coffee, you'd sit down and you'd strike up a conversation with the person next to you. Right. And now everybody's got their earbuds and they're on their computers. And uh, if you have the luxury of being able to do that in public these days, it's not. Oh, that would, here, be, so nice. <laughs> yeah. that would yeah. be so nice. That would be so nice. So I think I got a coffee a- shop for you. Oh, perfect. I think that's a big piece of it, John, is that um, how they were raised and how their attention has been diverted and dispersed makes it more difficult to, to just really connect deeply with one-on-one. You know, it's interesting because in, you know, in this era of the COVID pandemic, a lot of the education we're exposed, you know, usually when we would have people come in and help us out in the salons, with education, you bring a guest artist in. They come in, they do hair, we all hang out, we talk, we have fun. Now, most of the, all of that, I don't want to say most of it, all of it's done virtually, right? Where people actually get online, put it on the screen, and you know, we're trying to do virtual education. The interesting part is watching the younger uh, students just buzz right toward that. Oh, we're gonna do a class on Zoom? Okay, no, you know, no problem, great. And of course, we watch our um, staff who are a little bit older go, how do you do that? Like. Right. How do you do a Zoom call? Not you're like muted. You're muted. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know how to get off a of mute. Yeah. 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 And it's not even a technical aspect. Right. It's like, how in yeah. the world can this be at all valuable? I don't understand right. how you can do that. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I have sort of a follow up question to to John's and your kind of statement, which is, you know, we're obviously not going back. Are we going to be able to develop, continue to develop relationships? Are they going to get stronger and more meaningful virtually, number one? And then the follow-up question would be, because to John's point, we're dealing in person, mm-hmm. person to person. And, and what, what he's really you know, kind of pointing towards is they have a hard time looking somebody in the eye when they walk up to give a professional whether it be, and when we used to be able to shake hands, but whether it be a professional handshake, a smile. And then when they get there, the question asking rapport building process, are we going to be able to train that in-person soft skills, knowing that, um, and I love that you brought up soft skills, by the way, 
knowing that there, this still isn't, this isn't going to go away, mm -hmm. but you have to recognize, you know, Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Young Professional trying to break into the world of work that uh, when somebody's standing right in front of you, there's another set of skills for rapport development. Like, are you navigating that with people that you're working with? Yeah, and I think there's a few questions in there. So um, one of the questions I heard was, how do we help young people develop yeah, these right. skills? And right. more and more, there are apps for that, believe it or not. For example, there are apps for mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Insight Timer is the one that I use to meditate every single day. Um, and one of the things that I think is a barrier to these kind of social skills for young professionals is their intense social anxiety mm -hmm. because they, they don't have to, haven't grown up interacting the way, I mean, I, I'm sure you both can relate to this, but like when I was a little kid, like if an adult came into my family sphere, like I, had to introduce myself and shake my hands with them. Right. And that was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. And these days, parents are giving children sovereignty. Like, if that doesn't feel good, you don't have to do it, which in some ways I agree, I agree with giving people sovereignty over their bodies and what mm -hmm. feels right. And, you know, there's some social cues missing as a result of that. But so more and more, I think AI apps are going to be able to help develop some of those social skills. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with my company, Kadabra, um, we spent, so we had our like shelter in place started on March 17th, much mm -hmm. to the chagrin of most of the bars in the area. <laughs> so the 16th was the last day everybody yeah. was free. Um, and then, you know, now, Right now it's August 26th and like we, we basically spent the first two months taking all of our facilitation courses, which had been yeah. done in person, yeah. converting them to, to virtual, getting really good at Zoom and, and how, to, uh, how to increase engagement yeah. mm -hmm. in a virtual world, which yeah. we're, I'm very proud to say we're really, really good at that right now. Yeah. It's funny. So, I'm literally about to teach a class on that uh, uh, because, we, you know, to John's point about people getting on Zoom, the hardest the people that have had the hardest time have been the teachers. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And, you, and, and you, we're seeing that in schools too. Yeah. And you watch them and they're, they, they look like they just rolled out of bed. They got mm -hmm. all this crap behind them. You okay. know, I mean, um, typically when we would do this podcast, John would be sitting here next to me and this, you know, with this brick wall behind us and, you know, we happen to be in different locations today, but it's amazing that how bad, people are mm -hmm. at that and you're right that's a new new skill and it's amazing that you just brought it up um mm -hmm. and that you guys so what did you do to jump on that i mean how did you train that yeah so um i was very lucky <laughs> with hindsight in late february i was asked to do an emergency training on um a, a disc debrief so one of the things that my team does is we use the DISC personality assessment to help improve communications among teams. And so we had, we had 
had this team do the assessment and they were planning to do it in person uh, and I don't know what happened and it turns out, oh, I know what happened. It was the folks in Manila mm -hmm. were already not allowed to travel, but COVID wasn't even on oh, the radar. our radar. All right, mm -hmm. so the folks in Manila couldn't come and they suddenly said, can you do this training virtually? And me being me, I always say, absolutely. And then I figure out how to do it later. Right? Right. <laughs> like, luckily before the training, but mm -hmm. sure, now what? You know? And so I, I facilitated this team that was some of them in Manila, some in California and some in Bangalore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, across multiple time zones and figuring like learned a lot of like what doesn't work great mm -hmm. um so that was the first um sort of messy version of it um, mm -hmm. and i think that's an important piece like you've got to be willing to do it imperfectly first mm -hmm. and that's one of the things we we talk about all the time it's like how to how to be more innovative yeah you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable you have to learn how to make mistakes safely mm -hmm. and you know i was thinking as as chris i think it was you saying like you know, you're, you're this very in-person industry right now. What if that changes? Like, what if, you know, I'm sure we'll all be able to see each other in person post COVID, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but what if, you know, a hundred years from now, people say, well, why on earth would I go in person to get my hair cut? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's the young professionals who are going to be able to, to, create the bridge between what we know now mm -hmm. and and what could be a possibility in the future i'm really mm -hmm. excited because i think there's i think there is so much innovation happening right now and about to happen out mm -hmm. of you know necessity breeds invention sure. right sure. so right. i think the reality is is that uh we don't know what will come of this right number two you know or i i think about this way all the time like is it is it me or John, you know, are we just trying to hang on to our old ways and really this new thing is actually going to be pretty cool once it plays out? We've, a year back, we stopped kind of using, uh, now I'm going to say it, but we stopped using the term millennial. You know, we, we just, we just, we just thought it became, you know, and if you're a millennial or you're, and you're listening, like we, we thought people were just giving you guys too much shit. You know, I we just totally thought like- agree. It, and, it, and it wasn't really deserved. Right. It was that we didn't get the fact that in, in a single generation, things have been completely different. And, mm -hmm. and nobody, you know, no 24-year-old person or 28-year-old person wants to hear the fact that my cell phone was as big as a computer. Like, right. nobody gives a <laughs> they shit. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, it's, it's, we had to realize that like, we're actually not the, we're not right anymore. Yeah. We might not be wrong either. Right. But we don't need to hold on to, you know. You know what it changed, when it changed for me, you know, getting rid of that millennial term is I was having a conversation with a younger staff member and she was really having a challenge um, doing a consultation, meaning sitting with a client, talking to them about their needs, you know, introducing herself, building rapport, you know, that whole process that, you know, we try to teach. And I was talking to her about it and I was like, you know, what's going on? Why are you having such a hard time with this? And the, the guest happened to be male. And she's like, I don't know what to say and not make it sound like I'm flirting. Oh. I'm like, 
I yeah, don't like... that's another big thing. The flirting piece is really important. I want to pull that out because yeah, I please. just had a conversation with a, one of my best friends earlier mm -hmm. today that she was um, on a bike path and, and she's gregarious like me and saying good morning to people. And, and she had a moment where she passed this man and she said good morning and then she instantly worried like, is he going to think I'm coming on to him? Yeah. Like, so that's a really important dynamic to be mindful and sensitive to mm -hmm. in, in any industry, but particularly when you've got, like, so you've got the, the power dynamic of men over women, mm -hmm. and then you've got the power dynamic of age, mm -hmm. where younger people have historically have been seen as having less power. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a real concern, I would say, on the part of your, your employee. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that's when the shift happened for me. I said, I've got to think about this differently because that never would have crossed my mind. And that, and that really does fall in the category of professionalism. As I listen to John's story, again, I, I, I do. I empathize with a young person not knowing how to talk to somebody that they're not sure they have other things in common with besides, you know, this thing. And, and oftentimes, and I remember being 22 or 18 and having a 50 something, you know, year old woman in my chair and talking about the things that I used to talk about my weekends and the silliness. <laughs> and I just feel so bad for that person, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they had to listen to my silliness that I thought was important. It's incredible. You help a lot of people to navigate growth in, you know, in corporate environment. I hope we've talked about boundaries a little bit and overwhelm, but my question is if, if you were giving somebody advice that wanted to take their professionalism to the next level or, or wanted to um, grow up is the term. I've seen a few of our team members, um, especially at our web gym location, really on their own doing, decide in one day, I'm going to suit up and show up differently. And what mm -hmm. a cool thing that is to see. It, you know, if you're talking to somebody that is ready to make that transition, what, what is some, are some tips, some, some coaching that you give? I'll say, so from a big picture perspective, how we approach uh, coaching with leaders and anybody who has the ability to influence anyone we consider a leader is you know there's there's three buckets that you have to fill to become a good leader the first and most important which most people don't talk about is the the inner game the the mindset the mm -hmm. what like how you know developing emotional intelligence but really developing a growth mindset, developing an open mindset, developing, there's, there's four, one of our colleagues has uh, a, like a quiz on what are your mindsets across four different categories. Ask and I can give you the link. We can put it in the show notes. Oh, oh great. Really fascinating. You can see like, what are your mindsets? And we inherit mindsets. Mm -hmm. We develop them mm -hmm. when we're really, really little people usually, but they're, they're mutable. We can change them. We can grow, we can develop. And then along with that, changing the mindset comes like, what are the other inner things that I need to look at myself? Like, who am I, who am I being as a person? And then how do I want to show up as a leader? So that's one bucket that, that to me is that's the deep end of the pool. 
right? Mm -hmm. That's the biggest bucket, the most important bucket. And most leadership coaches that I've seen don't even address that. Mm -hmm. Then there's the behaviors. And this is what, so this is like the, what am I doing as a leader? You know, and this is where most coaches and, and most leaders focus on, like, Spend how time. can I do a better job, right? And, one, and then the third bucket is developing the skill sets that, and the skill sets sort of, sort of cross between all three buckets. Like, there are skills you can learn to develop better mindsets. There are skills you can learn to do better as a leader. So, so thinking about it from that perspective of, like, be no do so the no is the skill set the do is the behaviors the be obviously is the the inner game stuff mm-hmm. and i would start with the being because everything else yeah. flows out mm-hmm. from there and so when when i'm when i'm starting with the being because that's a little broad do you have an example of kind of yeah. something that a place we could start yeah i have a great story about um, the original BSO conductor. His last name was Xander. I can't remember his first name. And he was, so this is going to be an example of inward versus outward mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay. So an inward mindset is basically it's selfish. I'm thinking about myself first. I'm thinking about other people in terms of what can they do for me. And he, like every other maestro in existence, had a very strong inward mindset. And he was the star of the show, and his job was to harangue his people to get what he thought was the best sound out of the orchestra, right? And later on in his career, he realized, he had this epiphany moment, like, I don't even play one instrument. Yes, I'm the face of this orchestra, but without every single one of these humans, I'm nothing. And it, it had a, a huge, profound shift in his way of being. And he became more inward. And he started asking people in the orchestra for their suggestions, you know, mm. which is like unheard of. And he actually made a mistake once during a rehearsal and stopped the rehearsal when he realized what he'd done. And he apologized in front of the entire orchestra. And people came up to him afterwards and said, that has never happened in our <laughs> entire career. Wow. And what do you think happened? Like his orchestra, like the job satisfaction of the people in his orchestra was basically like akin to being on a prison gang, Mm -hmm. you know, beforehand. And then afterwards they were a a cohesive, productive team. They made more beautiful music. They loved what they did. They they felt empowered to do Mm -hmm. more and do better. And, and it changed. Like there's, I have an image in one of the trainings that I do about, um, like sort of a before and after picture of when he was very strong inward and he's got this really intense look on his face. You know, he's like a maestro, like what you'd think of. Mm -hmm. And then the after picture, like his whole face had opened up and I swear he looked 15 years younger. Younger. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. One of the things that, you know, where we kind of started off with this conversation was, you know, you talked about your journey from working in corporate America, you know, finding that, it didn't necessarily align with your values and your belief system, right? You were asked to make choices that you weren't comfortable with. And you kind of started down this journey of, of helping people and primarily women, right? In this field of empowerment, this field of leadership and, you know, how to help people on that journey. You know, when we look at, and you know, it's the, it's the reality we live in right now, this COVID pandemic, you know, and 
trying to find way, you know, that story I told you earlier, of one of my managers going home crying every day, right? Because she was so overwhelmed by the emotions of all those around her. You know, is there a, I think the biggest challenge people right now is finding that balance, right? That balance between being an empathetic, caring human being, but not taking so much home with them that they become overwhelmed, anxiety filled. And as Chris says, you know, having to reach for the bottle of wine. Um, if we're thinking about other methodologies beyond what's the great one that you did already, because um, I love the hair shampooing thing, right? Well, being conscious of that. That's great. Um, I almost want to do a shampoo tomorrow just so I can try it. <laughs> what other thoughts and strategies do you have for people that are going through this, knowing it's going to be a hot minute, right? That we're still stuck here for a while. Yep. Yep. Um, so I know it sounds trite, but as mm -hmm. the flight attendants always say, put your own ox oxygen mask on first mm -hmm. before taking care of others. So what that means is like, come up with some kind of a self-care routine. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to take a long time, although I would suggest that the amount of stress you're under is inversely proportioned to the amount of time you should spend on self-care. So the more stressed you are, the more mm -hmm. time you should actually spend on self-care, even though it seems counterintuitive. Like I don't have time for that. Um, and the thing that has helped me the most is a daily meditation practice. I say, you know, I've been trying to be a daily meditator for mm -hmm. 14 years and it mm -hmm. just, it only took a global pandemic to make it happen. <laughs> you know? And so I use, we were talking about this, I think before we started recording an app called Insight Timer and it's free mm -hmm. and you can set as little as five minutes mm -hmm. and just listen to some somebody's voice or some ambient sounds and just Pay attention to your breath, mm -hmm. to any tightness in your body, mm -hmm. and just, just be with it without trying to even change it at first. And again, five minutes to start. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the self-care piece. You know, I've heard that often lately. You brought it up. And I don't think people know what that means. When, so when you yeah. say self-care, it isn't about painting your nails. Although it might be, maybe that's a form of meditation for you. Yeah. yeah. But talk be. a little bit about for people who are like, okay, well, what are you talking about self-care? I mean, do I take a hot bath? Do I paint my nails? Yes. You know, what, yep. what is self-care? Self-care, self-care is such an important question. And I sometimes forget that not everyone knows what it is because it's mm -hmm. so yeah, part of my life. But of life. Um, literally anything that helps you feel connected to yourself, calmer, if you can take that, like, you know, you have that, like, <sighs> mm -hmm. that big sigh that just the parasympathetic nervous system resets, you know, patting your, patting a cat, patting a dog. I've got my dog sits next to me all the time. I'm like <laughs> reaching down for a little scritch. Um, you know, so being with animals, um, journaling, uh, meditation or mindfulness, even like you can even, you know, back to the, the mm -hmm. shampooing thing, yeah. like when I wash the dishes, like I try to make a practice of I'm washing the dishes. My mind mm -hmm. isn't wandering to 8 million other things. Uh, mm -hmm. Or when I'm eating my dinner, I'm 
chewing my food and I'm savoring it. So it's just, it's being present with what is, noticing mm -hmm. if feelings come up, just notice them. That's why I love journaling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just taking care of yourself in big and small ways. It doesn't have to take forever. It doesn't have to cost any money at all. Um, but just remember, like, you are a, a precious, precious being, and you are needed here on the planet doing your work. So please take good care of yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. There's Love a, that. there's a um, proverb, and it may have been a proverb. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. It, I was going to credit the Buddha, but it wasn't. Um, Is it a Zen, a it, Zen saying? Well, there's, there was a monk. I listened to a lot of that. I wear a brick. My bra I have a bracelet on and it, it says now on it. Oh, nice. And it, yeah. it's not because it's not like, give me what I want now. It's like, be here now. Now, this have. is where you're at. This is where you're at. Yep. Um, but there's a, a monk I was listening to recently who said, um, when, when I don't need to meditate, I meditate for an hour a day. And hmm. when my life is really busy and it's super stressful, I meditate for two hours a day. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, what yeah. you, it encapsulates what you just said. You know, what self-care isn't is overeating, over drinking. Yes, let the meat cake have a, you know, it, it, give yourself a treat. But, you know, remember that it's, it's the thing that is hard to do in the moment sometime, but leaves you better off on the other end. There's a physiological thing happening in your body when you have that deep sigh. It, mm -hmm. it relaxes the nervous system and mm -hmm. allows you to come back to yourself. Jo Johanna, can I do that even if I have three kids and, you know, yes. stressful situations? That's yeah. why moms lock themselves in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful yeah. thing. Guys, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. As we typically wind down, the first thing I want to ask you is, uh, if, if I just loved everything I heard and I'm, and I'm a woman in business who's running, you know, a, a business that sounds like it might be right up your alley, small to medium size, and I, I want to find Johanna and connect with her, um, where do we find you at? Yeah, so the most immediate place to find me is on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Johanna Lyman, and I'll yeah. J-O-H-A-N-N-A. L-Y-M-A-N. Yeah, and we'll have that linked below yep. in the show notes. Yep. And where else? And then our website is wearekadabra, K-A-D-A-B-R-A, dot com, with a caveat that, that we're in the middle of rebranding. About a month and a half ago, I merged with one of my strategic partners. And um, so the website lives under SJ Leadership Coach right now, but we are in the process of switching it over to We Are Kadabra. So that's our name. We've got, stay tuned for a new brand identify, a new brand like, identity in the next couple months. So that's amazing. John, I, I know you're pulling away a ton uh, from this conversation. Love to hear your thoughts. Um, one, uh, it's nice to see you again, Johanna. It's been way too long. Yeah, you too. So thanks for that. You know, I love the, um, the insight that Johanna brings in regards to, you know, um, the corporate environment, you know, being a woman. Um, but not only that, you know, because whether you're male or female, the emotional toll, for lack of a better way to put it, that this whole pandemic is having at people at work. Because I know plenty of people um, 
who are just feeling the stress that emotionally follows the language I used before. And I love that Johanna gave us some, you know, some actual, you know, tools to use to help, um, to help calm that a little bit, to help bring that level down a little bit. Um, and I think if anybody who's listening to this podcast found a tool or three or a hack, as Johanna said, to find a way to just get through this a little bit easier, um, with a little bit more sanity, uh, I think we are, we've done a lot for people today. So thank you. Yeah, that's, that's and awesome. I'd and, say, and, and if that's true yeah. for you, please connect with me on LinkedIn. I want to hear your stories. First of all, thank you to the listener, right? You know, we know we're either in your car or we're in your earbuds and we just really appreciate you listening. Um, anything you feel like we left on the table today or just some words you want to leave us with? <sighs> yeah, I, I think we are in the most extraordinary of times and for as challenging as they are, and I don't want to mitigate anything that's happening from the civil unrest to 176,000 and counting people dying of COVID and everything in between the fires and the hurricanes and all that, like we were made for these times. We're here for a reason. And I think that finding, finding that reason for you, finding the purpose that gets you up in the morning and keeps you going even when you have those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days, like, like that purpose can be your guiding that North Star that makes it all worthwhile. I and mean, I know that's true for me, so I speak from experience. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap, I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews, you know you want to do it, you know you love this podcast, share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his his wings. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah, and while that angel's getting his wings, it helps us move up, um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same Uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.